0: w.r.org, And now, here's a word from the Lord.
1: Deuteronomy 19, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read this text from the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. I've been in the King James Version. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation today. The King James Version of this passage has so many these and thous. I think our younger saints will, will really miss it. So hopefully reading the New Living Translation will help some of our younger saints uh, get a really good understanding as to what God is saying in Deuteronomy 19, verses 1 through 13. Here is what we find. When the Lord your God destroys the nations whose land he is giving you, you will take over their land and settle in their towns and homes. Then you must set apart three cities of refuge in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Survey the territory and divide the land the Lord your God is giving you into three districts with one of these cities in each district. Then anyone who has killed someone can flee to one of the cities of refuge for safety. Yep, I read that right. Then anyone who has killed someone can flee to one of the cities of refuge for safety. If someone kills another person unintentionally without previous hostility, The slayer may flee to one of these cities to get to live in safety. For example, suppose someone goes into the forest with a neighbor to cut wood and suppose one of them swings an axe to chop down a tree and the axe head flies off the handle, killing the other person. In such cases, the slayer may flee to one of the cities of refuge to live in safety. If the distance to the nearest city of refuge is too far, an enraged avenger might be able to chase down and kill the person who has caused the death. Then the slayer would die unfairly, since he had never shown hostility toward the person who died. That is why I am commanding you to set aside three cities of refuge. And if the Lord your God enlarges your territory, like he said he was going to do, as he swore to your ancestors and gives you all the land he promised them, you must designate three additional cities of refuge. This will be six in total. He will give you this land if you are careful to obey all the commands I have given you, if you always love the Lord your God and walk in his ways. That way you will prevent the death of innocent people in the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. You will not be held responsible for the death of innocent people. But suppose someone is hostile toward a neighbor and deliberately ambushes and murders him, and then flees to one of the cities of refuge. In that case, the elders of the murderer's hometown must send agents to the city of refuge to bring him back and hand him over to the dead person's avenger to be put to death. Do not feel sorry for that murderer. Purge from Israel the guilt of murdering innocent people, then all will go well with you amen father we need your help today we need your help every day but we sure need your help today help us to hear and heed your word today in jesus name amen i want to talk today from the thought the cities of refuge the cities of refuge a childhood friend of mine posted a story on facebook recently about his cousin johnny douglas Johnny was shot and killed in 1988 by an undercover cop with the San Diego Police Department. Johnny was shot two times, two times, once in the back of the head by an undercover cop with the San Diego Police Department. Shot two times, once in the back of the head by an undercover cop. With the San Diego Police Department, the cop never saw a day in court because the shooting was ruled an
0: accident. Yeah,
1: an accident, an accident. In our text, God issues a command through his servant, Moses. This command is to establish the cities of refuge. The cities of refuge were to be safe places for those who accidentally murdered another Hebrew or foreigner. If one Hebrew accidentally murdered another person, they could flee to the closest city of refuge for for safety and protection against any avenger. In verse 3, Moses commanded, survey the territory, divide the land the Lord your God has given you into three districts with one of these cities in each district. Then anyone who has killed someone can flee to one of the cities of refuge for safety. So if a Hebrew was killed, if a Hebrew was killed, their closest male relative would seek out their murderer to avenge the death of their loved one. Do y'all remember when Moses killed that Egyptian and ran away and hid in Midian? He was running away from Pharaoh who sought to kill Moses to avenge the death of the Egyptian Moses had killed. There were to be three cities of refuge on the east of the Jordan River for the Israelites who lived there and three more to the west of the Jordan River for the Israelites who lived there. Verse 8 says, And if the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he swore to your ancestors, or in other words, as he said he was going to do, gives y'all all all the land he promised them, you must designate three additional cities of refuge. So the cities of refuge were strategically located so one of them could be reached within one day's journey from wherever God's people lived. And as many of us know, Joshua would succeed Moses in leading the children of Israel, take them into the promised land. And in Joshua chapter 20, verse 7, we receive the names of the six cities of refuge. You had Kadesh, Shechem, Hebron, Hebron rather, Bezer, Ramoth, and Gilead, and Golan, the six cities of refuge. If someone had to travel too far to reach one of the cities of refuge, the avenger could catch up to them and kill them along the way. Look at verses 6 and 7 of our text today. Deuteronomy nineteen six and 7. If the distance to the nearest city of refuge is too far, an enraged avenger might be able to chase down and kill the person who caused the death. Then the slayer would die unfairly since he had never shown hostility toward the person who died. That is why I am commanding you to set aside three cities of refuge. And according to other scriptures, according to other scriptures, here's how the cities of refuge would work. They'd work something like this The murderer would reach the city gates and explain their case to the elders. The elders would allow the fugitive to enter the city for protection. If the avenger showed up to kill the fugitive, the elders and the community would not allow access would not allow the avenger access to the fugitive. Then the congregation or a local assembly would hear the murder case and, and witnesses and render a verdict. If they determined the murder was premeditated, they were obligated to hand the murderer over to the avenger to be killed. If the murder was determined accidental or what some of us may be acquainted with as being referred to as involuntary manslaughter, The murderer was allowed to remain alive in the city of refuge. They were protected as long as they remained inside the city until the high priest of that city would die. If they if they ventured outside the city, they were on their own for protection. I'm intrigued, y'all. I'm intrigued by how God set this whole thing up. I'm, I'm intrigued by how God. Set this whole thing up. Keep in mind that in the book of Deuteronomy, we have Moses, the OG prophet, the OG leader of the people of God, on his way out. He, he's not going to go into the promised land. He's been allowed to see it, but he's not going to go in. In fact, everybody around Moses' age is not going to be allowed to go into the city of refuge. Only those around 40 and under, Joshua Nim, Caleb Nim, are going to go into Canaan, conquer it. And hopefully, well, the intention was for them to conquer it and keep it. So Moses is really talking to this younger crowd, this this up and coming crowd, as I've been sharing with you, of, of, of people around 40 and under who are going to go into Canaan and set up their lives in the promised land. They're going to set up their judicial system, they're going to set up their law enforcement system. They've already been told that they're going to have cities that they did not build, houses that they did not build, all types of vegetation that they did not craft, that they did not plant. is going to be all happening in the land flowing with milk and honey. Here they are, about to go in now, and with, with everything that is yet to be established in Canaan, God calls for Moses to tell this crowd, 40 and under, when you get there, establish cities of refuge. It makes me wonder, it makes me wonder, what would be the murder rates in the promised land? What what would be the murder rates? God didn't establish the cities of refuge questioning if murder would happen. The cities were established for when murder would happen. How big of a deal would murder be in the promised land? What was the murder rate? Listen, what was the murder rate in Canaan prior to Israel's takeover? Was the murder rate amongst the heathen in Canaan lower or higher than that amongst the holy people of God? When it comes to living in community peaceably, Can the heathen do a better job than the holy? Would the murder rate in Canaan increase or decrease after Israel conquered it? Would it be higher in certain parts of Canaan than others? Would the murder rate be higher in the ghettos of Canaan than in the the posh suburbs of Canaan? Would there be a correlation between murder rates and poverty in the promised land? Would Hebrew on Hebrew crime in Canaan be higher or lower than it was while they wandered in the wilderness? And keep in mind that the Hebrews, the the Jews, the Israelites, would, would have to take Canaan through warfare. They're going to have to kill to take Canaan. So, would any of the Hebrews directly involved in all of the killing required to conquer Canaan live with PTSD afterward and be perpetrators of murder would, would they would they kill all of the men, all the women, all the babies, tear down all the sacrifice all the altars, all the idols? And then when everything was settled, would they be able, after all of that warfare, after all that killing, to just turn off that kill switch and not be affected by what they saw in combat and conquering Canaan? Hmm. What in the world would make God deem this such a priority with, with out of everything he's revealing out of every priority he's establishing, he's establishing the cities of refuge. God puts this justice, this justice system in place as though he was certain murder was going to happen amongst his chosen covenant people. Murder isn't foreign to the thinking of these holy people. Remember when they were so dissatisfied with Moses' leadership, they were going to stone Moses to death and replace him with someone to lead their return back to Egypt? And let's not forget that Israel was led by a murderer by the name of Moses. When And, and, and besides that, besides that, maybe you know, I, I know i come to the text with too many questions, and some of them, I, I, I just got to ask, are all these questions relevant? I, I think they are, but... Another question, I mean, when would accidental murder, involuntary manslaughter happen for Moses and them anyway? I mean, one example is provided in our text. Look at verse five. For example, suppose someone goes into the forest with a neighbor to cut wood and suppose one of them swings an axe to chop down a tree and the axe head flies off the handle, killing the other person. In such cases, the slayer may flee to one of the cities of refuge to live in safety. But 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 Minister Freeman, what other instances would there be for involuntary manslaughter in Canaan? Quite. How how likely was accidental murder in Canaan with no guns, no cars? Perhaps a hunting accident, uh, uh, an accident. Uh, you know, a hunting accident where, like, when former Vice President Cheney accidentally shot Harry Whittington in the face back in two thousand six. Could could, could a doctor, first lady, could a doctor in Canaan administer too much propofol to help someone sleep, kill them by accident? Could you lose control of your camel and accidentally run over a pedestrian and kill them? Could you accidentally poison someone? What would be the murder rate in Canaan? How, how, how How would accidental murder happen in Canaan? Now, as far as premeditated murder, oh, yeah, as far as premeditated murder, you, you can find people murdering someone for stealing. You can find somebody murdering someone to settle a dispute. You can find murdering someone who could not who could not fight back and being bullied to death. You can find someone murdering a servant. But was road rage an issue with these people? Would they go postal when they lost their jobs? Would they go to schools? Would they go to schools, Jan, and shoot up children and teachers? bro, Freeman, would they they shoot up people gathered in churches for Sunday worship or midweek Bible study? Would they bomb people's homes and churches as they fought for their civil rights? Would they storm a capital when they lost an election? When the people of God, the younger generation in particular, heard this revelation from Moses... What were they to think and do? As a crowd of 40 and under persons who are on the verge of coming into their own, what will be their reality when it comes to murder? There's plenty of opportunity for wealth accumulation in a land flowing with milk and honey. Poverty rates should be relatively low. What will the murder rate be amongst holy people who love God with all their heart, all their soul, and all their strength, in the promised land. Why is this concept of the cities of refuge a priority with God to where he reveals he wants them established for when murder, uh, for, for when murder would happen amongst his chosen covenant holy people? What should a younger generation do now? What does the cities of refuge have to say to f- people 40 and under in 2021? The cities of refuge gave congregations, local assemblies, the power to render verdicts in murder cases. Today's congregations do not have that power or responsibility. The courts do. But I'd like to ask today's 40 and under crowd in 2021 this. With you all coming into your own, will murder rates in America go up or will they go down? In the next 10, 20 years, will murder murder rates in America go up? Or will they go down? Please keep in mind that the 2020 murder rate in the United States shot up exponentially. Some say as much as 30% in that one year. The New York Post reports that, that this is an unprecedented rise for modern times. The pandemic didn't keep us from killing one another. In the next 10, 20 years, will murder rates go up or will they go down? Today's text does not question if murder will happen. The issue is that of premeditated or accidental. So God established the cities of refuge. He didn't command, he didn't command spear buyback programs. He didn't call for stricter spear laws or knife laws. He established, he established cities of refuge. But the cities only protected innocent people. Those who harbored hostility and, and, raid and engaged in premeditated murder had no protection. So here, here's what they should have been talking about. Here's what we ought to talk about. It's not, it's not the only things we should talk about. But here are some things that we ought to talk about. Two things and I'm done. Two things and I'm done. One thing we must talk about as the people of God, especially the people of God 40 and under, do not harbor hostility toward others. Do not harbor hostility toward others. Look at the text again. First, De- Deuteronomy 19:11. Deuteronomy 19:11. But suppose someone is hostile toward a neighbor and deliberately ambushes and murders him and then flees to one of the cities of refuge. In that case, the elders of the murderer's hometown must send agents to the city of refuge to bring him back and hand him over to the dead person's avenger to be put to death. Do not feel sorry for that murderer. Purge from Israel the guilt of murdering innocent people. Then all will go well with you. But again, verse 11, suppose someone is hostile toward, editor, uh, toward a neighbor. That word hostile, and it's mentioned a number of times in our text today, hostile, hostility, hate. It's all this comes from the same Hebrew word. Same Hebrew word, which means abhor, detest, loathe, intense dislike, uh, or generating strife, or a feeling of lack of love and compassion toward another. Do not harbor those kinds of feelings. Don't refuse, refuse to allow the lack of love and compassion to take up residence in your heart. It's one thing, I'm, I'm going to be honest, and I know I'm the only person in the room who feels this way. I'm the only Christian in the body of Christ, whoever, who, who can admit that sometimes hostility can can be a squatter in my heart. But I can't let it, I can't let it take up residence there. I can't let it, I can't let it take out a mortgage in my heart. I, I can't let it live there, but I I know I'm the only Y'all pray for me. I know I'm the only believer in the body of Christ who can get so angry with somebody I could wring their
0: neck. My encouragement
1: to you in alignment with the Word of God don't let that type of hostility, don't you harbor it in your heart. Not harboring hostility or hate toward others aligns with the teachings of Jesus. I want you to go to Matthew 5.22. I want you to see this passage for yourself. In fact, Matthew 5.21. Matthew 5.21. If you have another device or your Bible handy, if you can turn to Matthew 5.21, I'm going to read what Jesus said about this and I want you to see and hear what Jesus said in Matthew five twenty-one and twenty-two about about hate and hostility and murder. Matthew five and twenty-one. Matthew five, twenty-one. Here's what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder or other. In other words, you shall not plan to kill. You shall not you shall not plot to kill someone out of out of vindictiveness or uh, just out of hate and hostility. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Look at verse 22. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother or sister. Without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. So you may say, you may say, well, Pastor Clark, see, listen, I I don't know if I could ever get mad enough to murder anybody, but there's some time when people can make me mad. Well, if you harbor hostility towards someone else, especially if it's without a cause, you're in the wrong. Hatred, hostility in our hearts is the breeding ground for murder. It's the breeding ground. But watch what Jesus says. And whoever says to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Wait a minute. Jesus, are you saying that that I can displease you with how I feel sometimes when I'm angry? Jesus, are you saying that sometimes I can displease you with what I say when I'm angry? Are you saying that even if I don't actually carry out the act of murder, I can displease you just as much with what I harbor in my heart, how I feel, and even what I say? And Jesus says, "Yes." If you Jesus says to all of us who follow him that we must go so far as to exterminate our hearts, purge our hearts, of feelings of hostility, feelings of hatred, just because they don't align with you politically does not give you grounds to hate them. And I know that they abuse you, but, but don't hate them. I know that they violated you, but don't hate them. I know how they treated you and how they treated people who look like you, but, but don't hate them. Don't, don't, don't hate them because it violates the commandments of Jesus. But Pastor Clark, they say in the world, and even some saints say, how you feel is how you feel, and that's your truth, and no one can tell you how to feel.
0: Jesus
1: said, (laughs) Jesus said, you got to check how you feel. You got to check what you say. Out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. You better watch how you talk about folk. Don't harbor hostility in your heart. I know they hurt you. I know you, you may have a right to hurt. You, you, you have every justifiable reason to hurt, but you, don't you hurt to the point where you're ready to hate. Amen. Then Jesus goes on, goes on. Verse 23 Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, we make we you don't don't read this text and make a bigger deal of giving the offering than reconciliation. The issue is reconciliation. Agree with your adversary quickly. While you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, you'll be thrown into prison. Surely I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Jesus is is saying to his followers, Jesus is saying to his followers, you need to guard your heart against hostility. Guard your heart against hate. Guard your heart against being so angry with somebody where you you could do them harm or you would delight in harm happening to them. Yeah, you heard that something bad happened to them, and your response is good for them. God don't like ugly. Good for them. God don't like it when you, you can't just mess with God child any old kind of way. And the reason why that happened to them is because what they did to me, wait a minute, Hold on. hold on, child of God. Hold on, you who who so loved, you just loved the Lord. He heard your cry and pitied every girl. Hold, hold, hold on. Hold on, pastor. Hold, hold on, worship leader. Hold on, Hold on, preacher. Hold on, deacon. Hold, hold on, trustee. Hold on, brother. Hold on, sister. I know you love the Lord, but we got to guard our hearts. And even when you take delight in something bad happening to somebody who's done something to you, you violate the commands of Jesus. Don't harbor hostility in your heart. Don't harbor hate in your heart. Then John tells us in verse John 315, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So my question to you is, do you have hostility? Do you have hate? If so, get rid of it. It is the breeding ground for murder. Jesus does not want his followers harboring hostility. Ask the Lord to help you with it. You can't hide it from him. You can't hide. You can't come to God acting as if you don't don't feel the way you feel. Ask the Lord to help you with it. Ask the Lord like I have to do. Ask the Lord to help you with applying the scripture, be angry and sin not. Don't even sin with the stuff you're thinking. Don't even sin in the way you're feeling. Anybody going to tell me how to feel? I feel how I feel. That's my truth, and I feel the way I feel. You feel the way you feel as long as it doesn't displease God. And even if the way you feel about what your mama did, what your daddy did, what your daddy didn't do, how your daddy left, how your mama didn't do. And whoever abused you, whoever walked out on you, whoever, whoever fooled you, whoever scammed you, whoever did what they did to you. If you feel the way you feel in this anger and hostility after all this time, after all these years, my encouragement to you is get some help with it. Don't harbor feelings of hate or hostility. And I know the world and even some in the body of Christ will tell you, you have a right to feel how you feel. Can't nobody tell you how to feel you? You own your truth. I'm telling you, you do not have a right to feel however you want to feel. You do not have a right to think whatever you want to think according to the scriptures. We are not allowed to hate. We are not allowed to harbor feelings of intense dislike. But Pastor Clark, you don't understand. Yes, I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Pastor you don't know what they did? I don't know what they did to you. But I know what some, I know what some people have done to me. We got to check it. If we want to please God, if we want to live as worshipers, if we want to live as the people of God in the earth, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, some stuff has got to be different with what, with what we think, how we feel, and how we deal with it, how we check it. Your best bet is to be honest. Yeah, I I harbor some hostility toward that person for what they did, what they said. I gotta gotta check it. I need help. Don't harbor hostility. The second and final thing I want to tell you is that there's refuge in Christ for everyone. There is refuge in Christ for everyone. Uh, Deuteronomy 19 and 4. If someone kills another person unintentionally, Without previous hostility, the slayer may flee to any of these cities to live in, safe, in safety. Then in verse 8, if the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he swore to your ancestors and gives you all the land he promised them, you must designate three additional cities of refuge. Refuge. In verse 10, that way you will prevent the death of innocent people in the land uh, the Lord your God is giving you as your special possessions. You will not be held responsible for the death of innocent people. The cities of refuge in Deuteronomy, and this is not the first time cities of refuge are mentioned. They're mentioned in other passages of scripture as well. But 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 they were established to protect innocent people. But in Christ, everybody, anybody can find refuge. Anybody A couple of things here real quick and I'm done. In the cities of refuge, first of all, the innocent were protected. The innocent were protected. The innocent could find protection in the cities of refuge if they accidentally killed someone. If they legit accidentally killed somebody, they were considered innocent of murder. And they could reside uh, in in the cities of refuge and their lives would be spared. They would be protected. They were to continue living under the watchful eye of the elders, the high priests, and the community of covenant people. But only the innocent were afforded this protection. In Christ, we are all protected from the avenger. Even if you're guilty of murder, guilty of harboring thoughts of hostility and hatred, you can find uh, refuge in Christ. All of us, those of you who have never wished ill on anybody, those of you who never said anything about anybody that would displease God, uh, uh, all of us, innocent or guilty, can come to Christ and find refuge. He is our refuge now and, and how he has saved us from the power of the avenger. Christ is our protection from death because he died for us. He died in our stead. He died in the murderer's stead. He died in the guilty person's stead. He died in the innocent person's stead. He died for the person who never harbored an ill thought in their heart, never said anything bad about anybody. He died for them. Then he died for the rest of us. He died for me and maybe there were only one or, or two other people in the body of Christ who said some stuff about people that reflected how they really felt about them, harbored some thoughts in their heart about people that reflected that they didn't like him at all. Jesus died for all of us and the good news is in him and every- Everybody can find refuge everybody whether you feel with it now been filled with it in the past Everybody can find refuge in Christ. So I want to encourage everybody Whether you're 40 or 400 if you got some stuff in your heart That's that's that where you're harboring hostility and you're harboring hate and you're ready to get back at somebody Or you wish somebody would get back at the person who hurt you abused you walked out on you lied on you tore up your finances tore up your marriage tore up your career. tore up your ministry. The good news is there's refuge in Christ for everybody. He can protect everybody from death. He can protect everybody from the death of your peace, the death of your joy, the death of your happiness. Jesus gives us protection and it's for everybody. 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 Everybody, anyone who needs refuge and protection from death, protection from sin, can run to Jesus and find refuge. They can find protection. But not only that, not only that, the second thing is, in the cities of refuge, the innocent were peculiar. The innocent were peculiar. The innocent were peculiar. They weren't born in that particular city. They weren't raised in that particular city. They were peculiar in how trouble made them run to the city of refuge. The cities of refuge were cities where the Levites lived. There were, there were special cities set aside, not only for the refuge of, of potential murderers, but also they were set aside for the Levites to live. You may remember that when the, the land was being divided amongst the tribes, the Levites did not receive uh, a land of their own per se, They that God would be their inheritance. So the cities of refuge would be reserved. That's where the Levites could live. But then you would find some people, some people who were, who were on the run for their lives, some people who were fleeing from trouble. They run to the city of refuge. So they would be peculiar in how trouble made them run to that city for refuge. They weren't like the Levites who resided in Kadesh, Shechem, Hebron, Bezer, Ramoth, and Gilead, or Golan. Those who found refuge in those cities were peculiar because their troubles brought them to that city. I just want to know if there's any peculiar people in the room today, any any peculiar people on the stream where you you may not have been raised in church. You may not even been raised in Christ, but trouble made you run to him. Trouble came your way and made you run to Jesus. I wonder if there's any peculiar folk. Maybe you were raised in church and strayed away from Christ, but the day came where some trouble came into your life. Trouble that you got yourself into. Not trouble you were just accused of. Not trouble you accidentally got into premeditated trouble. Premeditated Drug addiction pre meditated, baby out of wedlock pre meditated uh, trouble in your life, but you came to Christ. And the good news is if you are in trouble, you can run to Jesus and find refuge. You can run to Jesus and find refuge. Jesus will welcome you if if sin has got you in trouble. Premeditative trouble. I mean, you planned to do it. You can make, you can lie and tell everybody else it was an accident, but you planned that trouble. You, you planned that thing, and it got you in trouble. And the good news is in Christ is so much mercy. In Christ is so much grace. In Christ is so much love. In Christ is so much compassion. Your troubles can make you run to him, and he will make you glad I came to Jesus just as I was weary wounded and sad but I found in him a resting place he has made me glad how can you not how can you not find comfort how can you not find a protection for peculiar people in Christ with all that grace all that mercy all of that compassion all of that love all all of what we find in him, ah, I'm telling you, he, he can find, you can find refuge, refuge in him. And refuge like you may not find anywhere else. You can find refuge in Christ. Hallelujah. Everybody, everybody, where you meant to do the trouble or you accidentally got in trouble, you can find refuge as a peculiar person In Christ, finally, finally, the innocent were presented in the cities of refuge. The innocent were presented. They were protected. They were peculiar, but they were presented. They were presented. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. First lady, here's what I mean. The the cities of refuge, y'all, Brother Freeman, the cities of refuge apparently evolved from refuge at the altar into refuge in the city. Apparently, it began where if you accidentally committed murder, quiet, you, 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 could, you could run to the nearest altar, and at the, at the altar, you were protected. Yes. A, a, at the altar, you found safety. At the altar, you found security, and it, it seems that it has evolved from presenting yourself at the altar to presenting yourself to the elders, but regardless, you... You made a presentation. And, but what I love about this presenting yourself at the altar is, see, in modern day church, we've made the altar the place where you come to pray or get prayed for. You, the, the altar is the place where you come to make your request known unto God. But at the same time, you, 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 you come to get something from God. But in Scripture, originally, the altar was not for you to come and necessarily get something from God, but to give a sacrifice to God. Can you imagine that? Were you in so much trouble that you come to God uh, to get protection? You come to Christ because you're peculiar. You're in trouble. It made you run. It made you run to him. But at the same time, you come to make a presentation. There's there's refuge in your presentation to Christ of yourself as a living sacrifice. Come here, Paul. I need some help. Therefore, Brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. But I'm in trouble, but you're still holy. But I did it, but you're still holy. But I meant to do it, but you're still holy. I didn't want to do it, but you're still holy. My emotions got the best of me, but you're still holy. Now, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. But my mama don't accept me no more, but God will still accept you. My ex won't accept me anymore, but God will still accept you. Your family may not accept you anymore, but God will still accept you. Your your ex may not accept you anymore, but God will still accept you. Who used to be your friend is now your enemy, but God will still accept you. Paul told the Romans, and he tells all of us, he says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Present yourself. Offer yourself. Offer yourself as one who belongs to God, but who's yet alive. Here's what it is. You present yourself to God. is simply coming before God and saying, God, my life belongs to you. My hopes belong to you. My dreams belong to you. My ambitions belong to you. My future belongs to you. My next step belongs to you. My destiny belongs to you. All that I am belongs to you. Wherever I'm going, I want you to lead me. Wherever I'm going, I want you to guide me. However fast I move, I want you to pace me. Whatever I got to get rid of, I want you to help me. Whatever I got to hold on to, I need you to give it to me. Whatever I need in life, I need it to come from you. a living sacrifice is when the rest of your life belongs to God. And I need to tell somebody in trouble. I need to tell somebody who's guilty of murder. Maybe you haven't killed someone with a knife or a gun or run over anyone with your car or deliberately poisoned anyone. I'm not trying to give anybody ideas. I'm just trying to give, an ex- just give some examples. But listen, you may have harbored in your heart what God says to me, that's just like murder. To me, you may as well have done it. To me, that's just as bad as the one who did take the knife and kill, took the gun and kill, took the car and kill, took the poison and killed present yourself and God says you presenting yourself I'll deem you acceptable isn't that awesome? Where the avenger and others are out to get you, ruin you, and make you pay for what you did. God says, if you come to me, I got somebody who's already paid for it. If you come to me, I have someone who already died for it. If you come to me, I got somebody who's already bled for it. I. Got somebody who's already been killed for it and buried for it, raised from the grave for it, sits at my right hand for it coming back for you, I already got somebody in Christ we present ourselves as living sacrifices. And I hear what you're saying. I'm finished. I hear what you're saying. But Pastor, uh, I've already done that. I, I presented myself as a living sacrifice. I've, I joined the church when I was little. I got baptized. I I, I walk for, I live for Christ. I walk hard after him. But, but I still did what I did. I, went, I, I committed the murder. I harbor in my heart what, what I should not harbor. I harbor the hostility and the hate. But the good news is that you can present yourself over and over and over and over again. I bet I'm talking to somebody who needs to make another presentation today. I bet I'm talking to somebody who needs to come face to face with honesty and integrity and admit that you do harbor feelings of hostility and hate in your heart towards someone. You need to be honest and admit that you would take delight in something bad happening to them as a result of the bad thing they've done to you. You need to set yourself free. And admit that you have lied to yourself and justified holding on to those feelings, and say, "I need to make another presentation today. I present myself again as a living sacrifice. I sacrifice my feelings of hostility. I sacrifice my feelings of hate that I never should have held on to in the first place. I, I, I give up my I give up my feeling that I got a right to have hate, that I got a right to harbor hostility. I give up this." influence from the world and this influence from the enemy and the influence from the kingdom of darkness that has convinced me that there was nothing wrong with me harboring all this anger all these years toward my father, toward my uncle, toward my brother, toward my sister, toward my mother, toward my first wife, my second wife, my third husband, my fourth husband, my cousin, my pastor. Maybe today is the day you come face to face, make a presentation with integrity. I do not have a right to harbor hate and hostility. I don't. But I need some help getting rid of it. And if you present yourself again beautiful thing about god the beautiful thing about christ is we can come to him again and again and again and i know you've tried i know you talked to therapists i know you've been writing in your journal i know you have prayed i know you have fasted i know you have confessed to your prayer partner but you still feel the way you feel you still say the stuff you say you've gotten better where you don't say it as much as you used to say it you still think the stuff you think but the good news is in Christ, everyone can find protection. Everyone can run to him who's, who's in trouble, who's, who's peculiar. Everyone can make this, pre- this presentation. And if you got to do it every day, if you've got to do it every day, if you've got to do it several times a day, every day, do it. I present myself to you again. I thought I was over it, but something just happened. So I just saw something on TV that triggered my hostility, triggered my hate, triggered my unforgiveness. I'm coming to you
0: again.
1: I just heard something on the radio and it reminded me of what they used to say. It sounded just like them. The same phrase they used to say and it triggered, triggered that hate, triggered that hostility. Some of us need to repent for how we felt and what we said about Donald Trump. listen some of us need to repent some of y'all need to repent some of us need to repent apologize for things we sought things we thought and said about barack obama or any other politician that didn't line up with our views don't line up with with your views some of us need to repent for people we called uncle toms because they didn't line up with what we thought the way black folk ought to be thinking in things we thought black folk ought to be saying that hostility, that hate whether it's toward all white people things you may have said about all white people this hostility, this hate we can't live with it and there is refuge there is a place of safety, a place of deliverance a place of protection a place where we can live A place where we can live, y'all. In Christ. In Him. Everybody can find protection. Everybody can, can. Who's peculiar can run to Him. Everybody. Everybody can make that presentation. And all of this. As I close again. All of this. As God said. In verse 13. Deuteronomy 19. Was to purge. Israel from the guilt of murdering innocent people. Purge Israel. Cleanse Israel. Deliver. In other words, what God is saying, he he had a vision for his people. And God's vision for his people is that amongst my people, there should be no such thing as people that I say is innocent being treated as if they're guilty. Nobody that I said is innocent ought be treated by any of my people as if they're guilty. There's a purging. There's a purging. A purging. Of treating innocent people as if they're guilty. This. I believe that can make the murder rate go down. I believe if everybody 40 and under who's, who's already in Christ could resolve. I I, will ref- I refuse to let anybody drive me to the place where I hate them. Now, For some of us, that's a, <laughs> it's going to take a whole lot of work. I'm not going to harbor any hate, any hostility where I'm going to plan and plot to hurt anybody. Not even with the words of my mouth. I'm going to tell y'all something. Can I be transparent for a moment? You know, one verse that's become more and more alive in my life, the longer I live. as, As I'm talking about, like right now, one of the many verses that's becoming more and more alive and challenging is may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. be acceptable in your sight. And one reason why it's so challenging for Pastor Clark, I ain't talking about back in the day, I'm talking about today. Why that verse is so difficult for me to pray and meditate on. Because I know some of the meditations of my heart is displeasing in his sight. I know they are. I need some help. I need some help. But the good news is I have found in Christ, refuge, refuge, because the truth of the matter is, if I could be even more transparent -er, if I could be, listen, the question for me, who poses a greater threat to David Clark, the Avenger or David Clark? Who poses a greater threat to you? And for some of us, we need to admit that our own refusal to admit that some of the stuff we're feeling and things we're saying, we we have no business harboring and we, we, we need some help in Christ. There's deliverance in Christ. There's safety. I'm saying there's even safety from yourself. Sometimes in, in, the, in that refuge, I need God to protect me from me. Protect me from the way I'm thinking. Protect me from the stuff I'm saying. Protect me from me. Protect me from me. In Christ, you can find. You can find protection even from self-inflicting Wounds in your own heart, your own mind. Praise God for cities of refuge. Praise God for deeming this such a priority of all the stuff he's looking to establish. He established places, safe places, where people who messed up accidentally could be protected. In that day and time, if you were guilty of premeditated murder, There was no help for you. You were obligated. Listen, the congregation was obligated to hand you over to the Avenger. The Avenger was obligated to kill you. In Christ, he died. He died so you and I could live.
0: This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.